All right, welcome back to the Big Texas Podcast presented by Texas Young Republicans. I am your host, Jordan Overturf, and the sprint has begun for the March 3rd primary here in Texas. Candidates are out knocking doors, they're doing meet and greets, fundraising what they can before this first crucial test. And what will decide the field most, for the most part, will decide the field for November 2020. Uh, We have got a whole bunch of candidates lined up over the next month for you to get introduced uh, in House and congressional races. Uh, If we got any state Senate candidates, we'll bring those on as well. But uh, for the most part, our focus from now until the primary is to try and get as many candidates in front of you as possible in your ears, talking about the issues they care about, why they're running as Republicans, and more importantly, what it's going to take for Republicans to get together, unite, and bring home victory in November 2020. Don't have any housekeeping today because we're all through the special elections. Again, we are so thrilled. Uh, Gary Gates brought home a decisive victory. Team Gates, uh, Texans were Greg Abbott, Texas YRs, RPT. Everyone came together in this crucial race to bring home victory. Now, I do actually have one bit of housekeeping for you. Today's Monday, February 3rd. Today is the deadline for you to get registered to vote. If you want to vote in the March 3rd primary, you need to make sure that you have either updated your registration or filled out a new registration form, uh, either at your county elections office, you can pick them up at the post office. All this information is available at votetexas.gov. My guest today is Nancy Klein. She is one of four women running in the race for House District 65. This is in the southeastern corner of Denton County. This is a district that actually flipped in 2018. Uh, Former Representative Ron Simmons represented that district, uh, and Democrats were able to turn that district and bring a representative there that I think there's definitely some contention on how she has served. So now we have four women in a very interesting race vying for a chance to uh, either keep this seat blue or flip it back red. So I had a great time talking to Nancy about her experience uh, working with TxDOT, working on a school board. She's got a lot of experience, and I'm going to get out of the way and let her tell you all about that. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Miss Nancy Klein. to fall off, but I've been visiting Chick-fil-A regularly on Saturdays, <laughs> but on Sundays I find other fast food. Yeah, uh, those steps you get in, they just don't add up quite the way you hope they will. Well, every once in a while you need a little ice cream too. Uh, yeah, right? You got to treat yourself for a job well done. spirits high. There you go. So um, for those who don't know uh, much about you, can you give us a quick rundown on you know your background, your experience uh, that led you to seek this um this race? I'm a lifelong conservative Republican in Texas. I was actually born in Port Arthur, home of Jimmy Johnson and Janis Joplin. I moved to the Dallas area after graduating from A&M. And um, as a civil engineer, I ran for, I'm running for office because as a civil engineer, I've been able to help make people's lives better through the projects and improvements I've made for their quality of life. I feel like that a lot of that background can translate into Austin to help improve the quality 
and maintain the pro-business nature of Texas and help keep the state someplace everybody wants to live and can't afford to live. So how did you get involved in this race in particular? You know, what was it about HD 65 that made you decide, you know, you wanted a transition into the state house? I will answer that question. First, I'll tell you a little bit about my family history. So my parents were always the election judges, the precinct chairs. So as a little kid, I got drugged to a lot of polling places for 12 hours at a time. And I sat there and entertained myself watching voters. So I've always been in tune. I went to the airport to greet people running for office. I went to rallies. I've just been raised that way. Um, My grandmother's father was the treasurer in Kansas. And her grandfather on her other side, on on another side, was a state rep. And so we were raised knowing that we needed to be politically engaged. Living in Denton County, I've been pleased with the state representation we've had until recently. In 2018, Michelle Beckley, surprisingly against all odds, won the Republican Party in House District 65. And I feel that it's important that it have a more Republican position to reflect where I stand on the pro-business positions and um, values that keep Texas where we want it. So was there anything about uh, her service or any particular votes this session that uh, really kind of disturb you or got you activated? Mostly, I think since the Democrat Party in Carrollton doesn't support Michelle Beckley, she will not be reelected. So it will either be her opponent in the Democrat primary or I hope and plan it will be the Republican. So that is why I am running is I think it's a good opportunity to regain this seat that we lost that we shouldn't have lost and bring it back to the Republican party. Well, and if, you know, it's not surprising that the democratic party of Denton County doesn't have its ducks in a row. If you look at recent financial uh, records, the candidates themselves within Denton County can't really decide who they're supporting or what direction. The day to go. after she was elected, they asked her to resign. Wow. So there's that much infighting amongst their party, but, um, I just feel like no matter who I'm running against, I think I'm a strong candidate. I think that my experience to date makes me best qualified to serve in Austin, representing House District 65, no matter which party. So let's talk about that a little bit. Your experience, you know, uh, engineering background, correct? So I have a bachelor's and a master's from Texas A&M. My first job was with um, the city of Dallas. And one thing about the city of Dallas is how well-planned it was from the 50s and the 40s by the founding fathers that put lakes to help provide water. They put roads to keep the roads, keep people moving, and they planned the city very well. Houston has no zoning. They don't really have roads, and they didn't really plan drainage. Dallas knew where the floodplains were. Dallas knew how to protect people and how to really plan and lay it out well. As civil engineers, there were 26 of us that started after college there, and we all thought, let's take what we've learned and apply it in other communities that are newer that aren't as already as well set as Dallas was. So a lot of my peers have gone to Frisco and other communities and helped make a difference. I've worked in the private sector, but primarily two-thirds of my career has been in the public sector. 
and I worked for City of Carrollton, and then I was Director of Public Works in Addison, which included maintaining the water system, keeping the tap water coming out of your faucet to the right level of everything and the right pressures and just making it all work for fire safety. I worked, um, then I went to work for TxDOT as the area engineer managing over $540 million worth of construction. That is something where you can really make a construction project have little impact to the public or you can make it really shut things down. I worked very hard to make the projects be something that would never need to be rebuilt in 50 years. The design life civil engineers design for is 20 to 30, but recognizing we don't have money to go rebuild all of our streets. Our roads need to last longer and they need to be sustainable and they need to keep people dry and help help the area develop for the future. Yeah, and I mean transportation funding is something that just about every candidate that comes on this podcast talks about uh and you want to talk about well planning and you know Houston not doing a great job of it. Boy, wait till you come to Austin. <laughs> yes. I actually have had the well, and I hear and and going driving to Aggie football games. I know Waco is pretty much a bear right now. Oh, I, uh, yeah, coming uh, up here uh, this weekend, it just uh, you would think by now they would have figured out. Let's get the river part done first, right? And uh, for whatever reason, that part of thirty five just is always plagued by by some sort of traffic issue. You know, every town along the way gets its two three year stint. And We're, some are worse than others based on the decisions that are made by the people planning it. Absolutely. Uh, weather has also been kind of all over the place uh, in the last 10 to 20 years as well. So that always wreaks havoc on the projects and what's trying to uh, get done. Uh, as you're going out and you are talking to voters, what are... I was just going to throw in, I was chair of the Surface Transportation Technical Committee okay. for the North Central Texas Council of Governments that actually feeds to the Regional Transportation Commission, which is the non-technical committee, it's the elected body. So what the technical committee does is review all the items that are rising to the higher level mm -hmm. and kind of vet them for presentation to the elected officials for the position of the region on where they're headed with transportation, prioritizations, and funding. So... Just to touch on transportation a little bit more, uh, from a from a statewide perspective, have we made positive changes in the way we are funding and you know planning these projects? And if not, where are areas you think we can make some improvements? Prop one and Prop seven made a huge difference to the funding available. The other mechanism that the North Texas region has used in in other regions is the managed lanes concept. And that is something that is under debate right now. And there are people that do not support that. Um, I'm in favor of local control. I'm in favor of the local entity in charge of satisfying the customers at the lowest possible level, helping have input on that decision. So uh, going back to my uh, question a few minutes ago, as you're going out and you're talking to voters uh, on the campaign trail, what are some of the issues that they are bringing to you? Primarily property taxes. That's the real state issue. They bring up things that are federal issues like windfall elimination. Mm -hmm. They bring up issues that are local issues like the asphalt road in front of their house. 
So, but the statewide issue that is brought up the most is um, property taxes, but also the border. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little surprised that the border issue hasn't been taken over at the federal level since the change of the administration. Um, you know, obviously the wall is being built uh, in sections, uh, but Texas is bearing so much of the burden on protecting and securing our border, you know, and we keep upping our commitment every session, you know, by reauthorizing the 800 billion a biennium. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, 800 million. Uh, but also we are, we're trying to put money into, you know, the technology and things like that. Um, I guess uh, for the voters here though, are, are they leaning more toward work, working more now on the immigration side of things, or are they still focusing on border security? The voters are bringing up the wall. They want the wall built. And a year ago, I was part of a leadership TASB. It's a school board effort to educate school board members more. Mm -hmm. And we took a trip down to the border, and we had the head border patrol person for the region talk to us about the challenges of protecting our border. And they explained to us that there is a wall in California, the length. There is a wall in Arizona, the length, Texas, we are the one without the wall, the length, and that how bad we need that. And as you said, the technology, and I observed the people that showed up and talked to us that were Border Patrol officers, I think their job is more dangerous and more difficult than our soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think that they're out there alone where we wouldn't do that to our soldiers they're out there where we wouldn't put our police officers out alone. They are doing a job that is dangerous, and I think they need whatever protections we can provide for um, technology and the wall to protect and help the bad actors that are trying to take advantage of crossing due to our weaknesses that we have now. So... Uh I guess the, the largest concern that maybe voters should pay attention to is, you know, we talk about making sure that Republicans have control of the House. Some of the issues that would absolutely go to the top of the chopping block, should we lose that uh, that control? Uh, definitely border funding at the top of that list. You'll see uh, sanctuary city stuff, you know. I support legal immigration. Yeah. We need it to have our workforce and also engineering. There are a million people that come in and work in the engineering profession from all over the world. I support legal immigration, but what, what I saw at the border was the negatives. Mm -hmm. And that would be very scary. If people take the issue of the border and turn it into, do you support immigration or not? Mm -hmm. I support legal immigration. Yeah, and I think the the problem that we have at the state level with that is that the thing we can control is border security. Right. Immigration control. Yeah, legal immigration, uh, you know, I don't know any Republicans who don't support it, uh, but that's an issue that has to be addressed at the federal level. Right. Right. If the state starts making up all these rules and institutions and changing things, then we start to create an even bigger mess that's even more out of control. Correct. So uh, going back to property taxes, you know, what are 
obviously relief is probably at the top of their list, right? Uh, but do you talk to them at all about kind of the changes that were made in the recent session or are you, are you talking to them more about what solutions they would like to see? Um, they realized that a move was made in the right direction in the last session. The challenge is the average age in house history 65 is 65. So a lot of the people I'm talking to would like to be retired, but are still working to pay because they have not had the benefit of saving enough, enough money to maintain their quality of life. And health insurance is a biggie for them. So as I meet with the people, a man I met with yesterday was married 58 years. His wife died a few months ago. He's living alone. You know, what does their future look like? How will they stay in their homes? And I've just really had an opportunity to meet and talk to those people. I think you know, you worry, am I going to live 20 more years and will my money cover? So those are really the challenges people have is trying to feel safe and secure in their future and the unknowns. And we haven't gotten as much into the details of how the reform affects them. I think, you know, a lot of taxing entities like the school district freeze taxes at 65 but not everybody. And I heard Denton County's thinking about doing that. I think they actually did that already. I need to check. Yeah. And then also homestead exemptions. Not every county has homestead exemptions. Mm -hmm. Not every taxing entity does homestead exemptions. So how do you protect people's homes? And how do you protect the over 65 population? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Commissioner Diane Edmondson for putting that uh, proposal forward. Uh, do you think... Mm, Property taxes is an issue that the state should be uh, influencing more, or should we be encouraging more local officials to be putting these exemptions in place? Uh, or should the state be the one that says, you know, now every single county has to offer homestead exemptions? I think it should come from the lowest possible level. I met with a city manager that said, we agree we needed a cap on the increase in the property tax increases of, you know, right now it's at 10%. A lower cap was good. Was the cap that was selected the right answer? A lot depends on if you're a high growth city, where, where are your needs? How is your infrastructure? What are you trying to address? Um, I do support the lowest level of control when it's appropriate. I know like the state, Plastic bags. Should you outlaw plastic bags in Aubrey? You know, these are things that maybe belong in that local city. Mm -hmm. um, chicken coops. Should you be able to have chickens in your backyard? That's really a local issue. But the state recently, a couple of years back, got involved in fracking. <clears throat> and I do think that that is something that maybe is more of a statewide issue because it does larger impact the whole economy, but also... Um, what could happen if, every, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth has 140 suburbs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard for people to follow what all the 140 suburbs are looking for. Yeah, yeah. And I know that was a huge issue here in Denton County. I mean, the city right. of Denton is what kicked off that conversation. I, yeah, and, and honestly, you wouldn't want fracking done in your backyard, but how is it best handled for the region and for the state. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's something hard to discuss. Yeah. And, and 
that's something that like, I appreciate your nuance in the discussion of these, these specific issues, because I think we have lost out on the debate side uh, of these discussions. Right. And in a legislative session, you have 140 days to get all the business done. 60 of those days, you can't even begin to make progress really because bills aren't allowed to come down to the floor unless it's an emergency item. So, um, I, I'm glad to hear you talk about uh, these issues with that level of depth. Um, are there other issues that maybe you yourself are passionate about or that voters are, are really keying in on? I have, so I'm running based on good roads, good schools, and low taxes. So the one we haven't talked about is good schools. Mm-hmm. I think the future of Texas depends on a strong education for our residents and people moving in. Mm-hmm. I think that strong public education is the fallback for many families. And having served on the Carrollton Farmers Branch School Board, I've seen the kids that don't have parents like we've been that have been able to pre- prepare the way for our kids to have successful college graduation and launch into the work world. I think the public schools have a responsibility to help the kids that have hopes and dreams of doing more than their parents that their parents don't understand how to navigate the system. So I think that good teachers, um, safe schools with um, compelling reasons to attend that, Mm -hmm. uh, that prepare the kids for career college military readiness to be contributing people in the workforce that aren't having to make less money than they can live off of. Now, a big part of the education discussion has been, you know, standardized testing. This seems to be a bipartisan issue. Um, Where do you stand in terms of uh, standardized testing reform? Uh, Are we at the point where the state needs to, you know, start back from square one? Do we need to make small adjustments? You know, where do you stand in terms of that debate? I think we need a means to evaluate how the campuses and the school districts are doing that results in a reflection that people can understand. The problem is our previous school superintendent says A is for affluent, F is for free and reduced lunch, is the correlation between the income levels. Um, but our school district is an 80, is, is a high B. We have a tremendous percentage of free and reduced lunch. I think we're doing very well with the student population we have. Um, I think the STAR test alone is not a good overall indicator. You need to include other tests like we took as kids um, and including the SAT, PSAT, those tests, Mm -hmm. the STAR test, I think, has become a funding bonanza for a sector that is using it to make money off of the backs of the state of Texas. I think it's become kind of out of control. I would support a more broad assessment of how are the kids doing that leave this school district. And where it includes tests. Well, and where are they going after they leave the district? I guess right. it is it, the outcomes side of things is something that I think we should. We can track the ones in public colleges. We mm-hmm. have a hard time in Texas. We have a hard time tracking the ones that leave Texas or the ones that go to private 
schools, we lose track of their records. Mm-hmm. But we do track the ones that are staying around. And it is hard. Um, a lot of the kids launch into college but don't stay. And that's something that as a state, how do we all need so CTE is big, career and technology. We need to prepare kids to have ways to earn money to put themselves through college or ways to earn money. We all need our cars worked on. Mm-hmm. We all need our um, air conditioners to run in Texas. Do you think we need a course like that? Uh, we have that. <clears throat> we have auto body. We have the ones to do with the engines. We have all sorts of CTE to prepare the kids. Mm-hmm. Carrollton, the Dallas County part of our school district, has like every major air conditioner company in the U.S. located there. Um, how can we help staff that? You know, airports, yeah, airplane mechanics. We all want our planes to be the safest they can be. It doesn't necessarily require a college degree. Mm-hmm. How can we prepare those people to earn that level of income and be able to, to make our planes safe? And on the other side of it, I was just reading a study that said uh, Texas is pretty low in terms of the number of people without a high school diploma. How how can we re-engage those folks and get them uh, on the path to better careers, you know, high paying jobs and high growth sectors? So so you're talking about the people that don't, don't have the yeah, high school. They don't get their high school so diploma. Part of that is um, keeping them in high school by offering fine arts, um, athletics, things that, because if you don't, if you're just a couch potato, you're not real motivated. If you find ways to make school interesting and have draws other than only the academic side, because one of our children is dyslexic, it's a lot harder for him to learn than the others. Mm-hmm. So how do you make school interesting enough that he's willing to go through that struggle of learning and writing and all the things you have to do to go ahead and finish versus other kids that it comes easier for. Yeah. So I'm a strong proponent of keeping a broad opportunity, also keeping the kids involved in the community, having them perform their programs at the senior citizen centers Helping them see the need and feel the essence of living in a today's technology and teenagers, it's different than my youngest is 22 and just graduated from college. The amount you can do on your phone increases isolation. And we've got to figure out how to keep the kids engaged in the community, understanding and knowing how to socialize and network. Excellent. So as as we go forward, you are in one of these districts that is going to be highly visible during the 2020 cycle, specifically in November. Uh, looking down the road, what do you think it is that Republicans will need to do to ensure that they have strong wins up and down the ballot in 2020? First of all, vote. Shame on the Republicans that forgot to vote. People Amen. get busy. Yep. And I understand busy, and that's what, as I door knock, I tell people, if you might be busy on March 3rd, please go early vote. Because you you would never want to just slip and then realize that something bad happens again. Um, So first of all, vote. But mainly connect. It's hard right now with the climate we're in of a lot of polarization and and heavy-duty, passionate arguments on social media. 
by people that we've grown up with mm-hmm. that are angry at where we stand. Um, it's important that we continue to reach out, share our strengths. Um, I, I am running to get this district to be Republican in November 2020 because I think that is what best reflects our community. We are 50-50 right now, but I think my strong civil engineering background, my open-door policy, my ability to listen and communicate will help me be the best representative in Austin. Excellent. So where is the best way for people to reach you if they want to find out more about the campaign? So my website, my Facebook is great. I've gotten a ton of messages through Facebook. My email is nancy.s.klein1 at gmail.com. My daughter tells me the dots don't matter. Um, My cell phone is 972-898-4668. I've gotten a million phone calls. I now answer all the people calling wanting to sell me car warranties because I don't want to miss any of the real calls. my, a lot of my passion for service and timing is my husband was in the National Guard for 28 years. He retired as a lieutenant colonel in the Texas Army National Guard. He served one year in Afghanistan. My oldest is a captain in the Air Force. He graduated from A&M. And um, he, what I laugh and don't laugh about is when you marry someone, sometimes your kids turn out just like them. And I've been fortunate that I dearly love my husband, and my oldest is very service-oriented. And our kids, our other kids are also very engaged in their community and service-oriented. So I see this as a good time in my life where I have um, nobody left in college, um, no grandkids yet, hoping, and um, looking forward to the future and what can I do to help improve and keep Texas on the right track. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Thank you again to Nancy Klein for coming in and uh, talking to us. If you want to find her on Facebook, you can go to Vote Nancy Klein for Texas. You can also go to her website, votenancy.com, and you can email her, nancyskline1 at gmail.com or nancy.s.klein1 at gmail.com. Uh, depending on if you believe in that whole dot theory with Gmail. In any case, thank you again to Nancy. Thank you to all our guests who have come on. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more of it, make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're getting this podcast. Uh, Thank you to you for listening. If you want to find out more about how to come on the show, you're a candidate and you want to get on uh, before the primary or before the general election, you're a policy expert, you want to talk to us about some issues, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast. Also, make sure you're following Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Texas YRs. As always, friends, I am having a great time and I'm going to hold on to my seat as we make our way to March 3rd. The primary is right around the corner and this month is going to fly by. So till then, friends, we'll see you down the road.